You know, one thing is this. Uh, it's an illustration. It's an illustration. You know, they call it Good Friday, and I know a lot of people struggle with that. Why do they call it Good Friday? I mean, this is the day that Jesus died. Why is it a good thing? And we know that as a result of his death, as a result of what he did, um, that we are saved. How many of you here know Jesus Christ today, man? He's washed you. He's changed you. He's totally transformed your life. You have a peace within. He set you free. But that's an illustration of how things that happen in our life and we look at them sometimes and we isolate them sometimes and we wonder, man, this right here, Lord, why? You know, and I know some of you here, you go through things, you've gone through things that I've never experienced in life. I've talked to some of you, I've counseled some of you that are in the deepest pit even right now. But when you look at the cross of Jesus Christ, we see a couple of verses come into illustration. Just like Joseph told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And, you know, when they nailed Jesus Christ to the cross and they did their thing and we see and if you watch the movie and if you see the scriptures, you see that the Pharisees and the religious leaders, man, they were so self-righteous. They were so full of themselves. They were so envious because of the fact that Jesus was, you know, kind of pulling away their disciples and taking away their kingdom. They didn't humble themselves, acknowledge the fact that they needed Jesus in their life. And therefore, you know, they put him to death. It was totally the enemy, totally the most wicked event that has ever taken place in the history of mankind. But in that event, God worked it for good. And God made an opportunity for us to be saved. You know, some of you here, you're going through hard times. And although we can't compare it, you know, ultimately to the cross, I just want to encourage you. I want to begin this evening by encouraging you with that truth that no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what the hard times are, no matter what the pit is that you're in right now, that God can take it and God can use it for good if you give it to him. If you surrender your life to him, if you live for him, if you love him. He will take all those things that the devil and the world means for evil and he will use it for good. As a matter of fact, Romans 8, 28, it says that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. And I just want to begin tonight by sharing that when you look at Good Friday and you wonder, Lord, how can it be good? Well, God can take those things that go on in our life. And as we surrender our life to him, he can use it for good. Number one, it's a great illustration of that. But another thing about the cross is it's the greatest contemplation. Not only is it the greatest illustration, it's the greatest contemplation. And what that means is that we need to stop in our busy life and think about the cross. You know, it's kind of interesting when it comes to Christianity, there's only a couple of things that God asks us to do uh, uh, as a church. They call it institutions. Number one, to get baptized. OK, so as a Christian, you, you should get baptized. It doesn't save you, but it's a sign that you're saved. If you got baptized when you were a little kid, that doesn't count because you don't remember the whole thing and you didn't make that decision. Your parents made it for you. You need to get baptized as an adult with the volitional choice to say, I am not ashamed of Jesus. I will follow him publicly and identify myself with Christ. So baptism is one thing. We do that one time in life 
as an adult, as an individual old enough to make that decision. But the second thing is communion, huh? And we celebrate communion. Jesus said, do it frequently. He even said, as often as you get together, have communion. As often as you get together, basically what he says is think about the cross. And that's what's so beautiful about this day. And I pray that it would take place more frequently in our life. That we are stopping everything. You know, and I know for everyone here, some of you here would probably be somewhere else. I know for a lot of us here, there are a million things to do in life, isn't there? I mean, you got to go home and you got to, you know, whatever it is, vacuum and clean and cook. And you've got errands to run. You've got to balance the books or whatever it might be. You've got so many things. You've got to mow the lawn and wash the car, wash the cat. You name it. There are just a million things that we have to do in life. And we're behind on so many things. But it's so awesome that you took time out on a Friday night to come and to think about the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. And I think that we need to do it more frequently because it's not only the greatest illustration of how God can take the bad things in life and use them for good. But it's also the greatest contemplation. Man, we got our eyes and our mind and our heart on so many other things. You know, I know in my life and growing up, man, you know, my, my biggest problem was not so much that I rejected God, not so much that I didn't, you know, believe in my head. My biggest problem was that I didn't think about God too much. You know, I was just busy going to school and going to college and working and hanging out with my friends and doing different things. And the devil, if he doesn't make you bad, he'll just make you busy. If he doesn't deceive you, he'll just distract you and he'll stop you from thinking about the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is the greatest contemplation. That's why he says, whenever you get together, have communion and think about the cross. Because there's two things that we see there. And they're things that we need to really let sink into our hearts. Number one, the love of God. And number two, the life of God. No, I think probably personally in my life, Probably the biggest problem that I have, and I've been a Christian since 1989, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes I have hard times and sometimes I go through my struggles. You know, I'm not up here thinking or saying anything like I have it all together. I definitely don't. But my problem is this, and I've really come to discover this very clearly in my life, is that I have not really received the love of God the way that I should. You want to know why? Because this is what happens when you become a Christian and you start getting involved in ministry and you start doing all these things. Is you begin getting caught up in a performance-oriented Christianity. And you start saying to yourself, and sometimes you start saying to other people, listen, man, shape up or ship out. You start you know, coming down on them and you're coming down on yourself and you're beating yourself up because you're not performing up to par. And then what ends up happening is you slam the door on the unconditional love that God has for us. You know, when you let that love sink in, when you uh, begin to contemplate the fact that God loves you, you know, he doesn't love the things that we do sometimes, but he does love us. And we don't let that sink in sometimes, man. That's what creates problems. You know, the love that God has for you, miho, miha, I mean, you can't even begin to describe it, man. 
that you can run to him for anything. You can bring anything to him. It's a fever. It's a little, you know, thing that's going on in your life. It could be a huge thing. But I don't care what you've done in life or where you're at right now. You've got to know that God loves you. You know, the enemy doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to kind of get caught up in, well, if I'm good enough, then God will love me. Or if I'm a perfect person, then God will love you. No, even when you fall flat on your face, God loves you. He died for you. And he wants to work in your life. He wants to rescue you. That love will change you. You know, I remember going through a phase in my life one time where I kind of blew it like three days in a row. I blew it, I blew it, I blew it. And then it kind of started getting old, you know. I started thinking about this and I'm like, I finally, after blowing it over a period of time, I said, God, do you still love me? And he said, yeah, I still love you. And I remember that that one day was like a revelation. It kind of sank in. And God began to wear me down with his love. That began to change my life. I was talking to my son about this on the way over here today. And I was telling him, you know, because he's 14 years old. And I was saying, hey, son, have you ever liked a girl? You know, or has a girl ever liked you? Come on, Mio, tell me about it, you know. Because I remember growing up, you know, and now it's different. I'm married. Thank God I have the love of my life, you know, my wife. But, man, I remember growing up. I remember even in the third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, when you found out that this girl liked you. You know, I'll never forget, man. I was playing kickball. And they brought out this beautiful third grader to me, man. They were dragging her out. They are saying, Manny, Michelle likes you. (laughs) And I felt so happy inside, man. I mean, is this, is this something, is this something, a feeling about like someone liking you even as a kid? And then when you get older, I don't know if you have ever experienced this before because a lot of times the Bible says that the love of many is waxing cold. It's hard to find somebody who really loves you unconditionally, sacrificially, whether you're good or bad, they still love you. But when you find somebody like that, it just blows you away. And we can find that sometimes in a human person, maybe not to the perfect extent, but to a proper extent. And it's such a wonderful thing. And it's such a wonderful thing to know that God loves us. You know, I don't know if you guys heard about this. Uh, uh, Tim Tebow, he's a quarterback for the Florida uh, the college football team. I forgot the name of their team. And anyways, he's going to be going pro pretty soon. And he would wear the black. They wear the black, uh, I call it makeup, the black stuff that goes underneath their eyes. And uh, and they have, uh, uh, you know, scripture verses that they put on there. Tim Tebow is the one that kind of made it famous. As a matter of fact, now the NCAA is trying to outlaw that in college football because they just don't like the way that the messages go out. But Tim Tebow over and over again would put on his little eye makeup right here, John 316. And it's so amazing because according to Google, every time the Florida State football team would play, the number one search on the Internet was John 3.16. And then you guys know the verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Well, I was just tripping out on that. I'm kind of bummed about the NCA would want to wipe that out. But you want to know what blew me away is that why would they have to look that up? 
Don't they know that God loves them? And I think a lot of times they don't and you don't. You know, I want God to do a great work in this church. I really do. But it's going to happen only when we begin to understand how much God loves us. You know, the other day it was so cool, man. My dog Chip, he's actually growing up. He's a really cool little dog. And he's maturing, I should say, as a, as a dog. You know, when he was a young little whippersnapper, um, he would actually want to fight the coyotes. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. He's a little, man. You know, what is he, a Dachshund, Chihuahua mix? He's so fun. But man, if a dog would go to our backyard, he would just go toe-to-toe with it, you know? And uh, until one day, you know, he almost got eaten. And, <laughs> and so what ended up happening is the other day, I went outside, I, I let him outside, I went into the garage, and I heard Chip just freaking out, man. He was crying and he was running. And I went outside and there was this big dog in our backyard. And I was like, wow, Chip, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I, was, I was like, man, I'm so proud of you because you have finally learned that you can't win. <laughs> and so what does he do? He runs and he cries. And I think a lot of times in our life, we think we can win. Oh, I can handle this one on my, on my own, Lord. I, I don't need you. Let me tell you, man, you cannot handle the smallest demon. You can't. You can't handle yourself. You can't handle this world. You can't handle anything on your own. We're like this little chihuahua dash and mix. And our only hope in life is to run to God and to cry out to God. Because you know what? When we do, he will answer. Why? Because he loves us so much. You know, when you look at the cross of Jesus Christ, three things off the top of my head just really uh, begin to sink in. Number one, it's the greatest illustration of how God can take the evil things in life and use them for good. I pray you believe that. Number two, it's the greatest contemplation. Why? Because in that, we see the love of God, for one. But the second thing is we see what sin can do. You know, when you look at the cross and you see Jesus nailed to the cross, that's the effects of what sin has done. But the amazing thing is Jesus there on that cross, he, he bore all our sins. And so all the things you've done, past, present, future, were laid on him, according to Isaiah chapter 53, that our iniquities were laid on him. But that's how sin will ruin a life. And that's what God is doing, is God is saying, come tonight on Good Friday, turn from your sin and trust in the Savior. And as you have that in your heart, it leads me to the third thing, and that is this, that it's the greatest invitation. The Bible says that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, some of you here tonight might be thinking, well, God might love him or God might love her, but God doesn't love me because look at this is what I'm going through. And then the Bible says, well, listen, don't look at the things you're going through. Look at what he did for you. 
I don't know about you, man, but when I look at that movie and I know it was even a hundred times, you know, a million times worse than that, I can barely watch it. But then when I make it personal and I realize that he did it for me, it just changes my life. It really does. I'm like, wow, Lord, there's no question whatsoever. Even though I'm going through this and I'm going through that, you know, even though I will go through some crazy things in life one day, one day even the valley of the shadow of death, I can never question your love because you demonstrated it there on the cross. And so in that, you know, thing, and it was kind of a a, a dramatic thing, when they lifted up Jesus on the cross, do you guys remember that part? Very dramatic, huh? They lifted him up on the cross, and this is what the Bible says, that when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. As Jesus died on that cross for us, The Bible says that in that, he draws us to him. And I pray, you guys, that tonight, as we celebrate Good Friday, as we celebrate what Jesus Christ has done on that cross, that you and I would understand the love that he has and the invitation that he extends. You know, for those of you here who are Christians and you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you know, the story never gets old. I know in my own life, um, like I said earlier, you know, I need this love to sink in a lot deeper in my heart. I pray that God would just discipline us to contemplate the cross more frequently in our life. You know, I, uh, I think about that as Christians, and I think a lot of times we forget the cross. Sometimes we have it nice and clean, huh? No splinters, no blood, no mess. And we don't remember how much God loves us. But for those of you here who aren't Christians, maybe there's some of you here, you were invited. And in all reality, you know that you don't know the Lord. You know, you haven't been in fellowship. You haven't been going to church. You haven't really had a hunger for the word of God or prayer. Um, You just know in your heart that you're not right with the Lord. You know, he's lifted up to draw you to himself. And I pray that as we have communion today, and really it's the only way that you can have communion, that that you would surrender your life to him completely. You know, how many of you here speak Aramaic? Just out of curiosity. So you didn't understand what he said, huh? (laughs) Believe it or not, when I saw the Passion of the Christ for the first time, there was a girl there that actually had a, a gift of interpreting tongues. And she understood what he said. It was an amazing thing. So I was just curious if any of you here had that gift. But um, when Jesus was there on the cross, there was a few things that he said. Um, And I'm not going to go over all of them, but one of the things that he said was, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And that is the greatest need in the world today. The forgiveness of your sins. Well, the only way you can have your sins forgiven is if you yield your life to Jesus Christ, if you turn from those sins and you trust him. There has to be a day in your life where you can say, I threw in the white towel, I raised the flag, I surrendered my life completely and totally to him. And you meant it. And your life began to show the reflection of a fruit of a changed life. 
You see, that's where it begins. Another thing that Jesus said on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, you guys remember that one? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Pointing down to Psalm 22, it was a prophecy there regarding the fact that when Jesus was on the cross, that all our sins were laid on him. And when all our sins were laid on him for the first time in all of eternity, the son was separated from the father. He was separated from the Father so that you would never have to be separated. And that's what we pray tonight, you know, that you would do in your life. That you would trust in Christ, that you would allow Him to be the Lord of your life. That as we look at the cross, it's not just a day, oh, Good Friday. There's kind of a religious thing going on. Not that this is a religious structure by any means, it's not. Some of you probably came in here the first time, you're like, is that church here? <laughs> It's kind of weird, but remember, the church is not the building. I don't care how pretty that building is. The church is the people. huh? And as we come in, in the name of Jesus Christ, God is here. And God wants to move in your life. God wants to shower you with his love. God wants to wash away your sins. God wants you, when you die, to go to heaven. That was the whole purpose. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And so I just pray, man, if you're here today and maybe you've drifted away, maybe you don't know the Lord. If you're not a Christian, that tonight you would give your life to him and that you would begin to follow him all the way to heaven. It's such a cool thing when you see what the Lord has done for us. One last thing that Jesus said on the cross, he said in John chapter 19, verse 30, it is finished. It is finished. You know, the cool thing about being a Christian is that, you know, we don't have to earn our way to heaven. You know, there's a lot of religions out there that tell you, oh, you got to do this and you got to do that. And you kind of got to climb the mountain in order to get to heaven. But see, that's religion and that's man's way. You know, the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ is that he has come down the mountain to us. He was born. We celebrate that on Christmas Day. He lived for 30 years. For three years, he had his ministry. He was teaching. And then when he was 33 years old, he was nailed to a cross for our sins. And when he was on that cross, all your sins, all the things that you've ever done and that you ever will be doing were laid on him. And he suffered the punishment that we deserve. I like to use this illustration because it kind of, you know, just brings everything into clarity. Because some people wonder, well, I don't know. How does the cross thing work? Well, when you read the Old Testament, you study the prophecies, you look at the, the typologies in the Old Testament, it's pretty amazing. But the thing is this. Picture yourself, everyone here. Have you ever been to court? Just out of curiosity. Some of you are like, I'm not going to raise my hand. <laughs> All right. Well, I've been to court, unfortunately. Um, some of you even here work in the court. It's kind of funny, man. But, you know, let's picture yourself one day and you're standing before the judge. Okay. And so there's God and he's the judge and you're standing there. And he says to you, well, this is what you've done in life. Boom, 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 boom. And some of you here, you know, you've sinned. Some of you have done a lot of sins. Okay. And so what does the judge do? He says, boom, he brings down the gavel, guilty. You have sinned in life. And so what does the judge do? As a result of that sin, he brings out the law book and he says, you owe 
a gazillion dollars, okay? And so what do you do? You know, first thing any of us would do right off the bat is we check our checkbook. Okay, how much do I have in there? 50 bucks? (laughs) It's not going to be enough. You know, you might wonder, well, listen, you know, I'm not as bad as that person over there. I mean, they murder, they do bad things, they do drugs. Some of you here do drugs. Some people are sleeping, you know, with each other and they're not even married. There's a lot of different things going on. But some of you here might be thinking, well, I'm not as bad as them. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You still sinned. It's not a civil offense. It's not a federal offense. It's not a global offense. It's an infinite offense. Why? Because you sinned against an infinite God. And therefore, let me tell you something, you owe more than a gazillion dollars. But even if it was just a gazillion dollars, you wouldn't have enough. And so there you are in your condition, in your state without hope. And that's the way the world is. But this is what happened. The judge came down off his bench. He took off his robe and he stepped into your life. He whipped out his checkbook and he said, can I pay it for you? And that's what Jesus Christ has done. You see, a lot of people think, well, everybody, you know, is going to go to heaven. You know, God's up there like in heaven. He's saying, oh, come on in. Oh, it's no big deal. I love you, Mio. You know, come on into heaven. And he does love everybody, but he wouldn't do that because he's a, not only a loving God, he's a just God. Let's just say somebody raped somebody over there. And then they went before the judge and they said, ah, no big deal. Come on, just go ahead. Go your own way. We all know that that would be wrong. And when it comes to sin, God can't just say, come on in, no big deal. That wouldn't be just. And so what he did is he came down and he paid the price for us. And in the process, two things are satisfied. Number one, we see the love of God that he'd be willing to do that. And number two, we see the justice of God, that every single sin is dealt with. And the only question at this point is whether or not you will allow him to pay that debt for you. Would you let him? Would you fully surrender to that love and that payment, that cross that Jesus has given for you? Man, I pray that you would. I pray that tonight many hearts would be turned to the Lord And they would yield themselves to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can stop, Lord, for a night and just look at the cross. Father, we see that you're the king. We see that you humbled yourself. We see, Lord Jesus, that on that cross you suffered so much. It wasn't the nails that held you to the cross. It was your love for us. Your love for me. Your love for every single person here. And so, Father, I pray that if there are any here tonight that have drifted away, if there are any here tonight, Lord, that they just don't know you. They they know they're not right with God. That tonight, as we have communion, that, Lord, every life would be fully surrendered to you. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, and just all the Christians praying, if you're here tonight and maybe somebody invited you or maybe it's been a while since you've been out to church, maybe you've drifted away. I'm here to tell you that God loves you, man. 
and that God wants to draw you back to him where you belong. If you know you've drifted away or if you want to get right with God and you want to come back to him, then right where you're at so that you can partake of communion with us tonight, just pray this prayer. Pray this prayer in your heart and and really mean it to God. Just telling him that you're a sinner and you need a savior and you're willing to turn from that sin and trust in Christ tonight. Very simple, man. It's a free gift. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death and hell, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so right now, if that's you, if you know you need the Lord, then right where you're at, you just pray this prayer tonight. You pray it to God in your heart. Say, Dear Lord, I come to you tonight and I admit I have sinned. I turn from my sin and tonight I trust once again in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and help me to walk a new life as a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer before you leave tonight, man, please come and talk to us. We would love to pray for you and help you in your new life as a Christian. Uh, For some of you who maybe have rededicated your life, we would love to to talk to you. And so now we get to have communion. Uh, Communion is something that we get to do together, and it's a wonderful thing. But it's also something that we do on a very, very personal level. You know, like I said earlier, I know a lot of you here are going through hard times. A lot of you here are struggling, even in your walk, even in your life as a Christian. You know, maybe you're here today and you feel like you're far away, or you feel like your heart is cold, or you feel like, you know, you're just something wrong. Right now, as we partake of communion together, I just pray that personally and individually, that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess tonight in in a fresh way that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that we would do that, that we would search our hearts and that we would draw near, you know, that we would yield ourselves completely and totally to him tonight. And so they're going to pass out the bread. We're going to pass out the cup. Please hold on to those elements. Just spend time with the Lord in worship and prayer, and then we'll partake of communion together.